Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. <laughs> thank you, my love. Thank you, my love. All right, yo, give it up for the worship team. Come on. Oh, man, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm judging by that applause that we were not in the same worship service. Uh, come on, somebody. Somebody say, build your church. Come on, make some noise. Make some noise. Oh, man, come on. How many of you know church is more than a building? It is a people. Church is more than a building. It is a body. Church is more than a body. It is a bride. Come on, how many of you know Jesus has come back for his bride? Man, it's going to be a good morning. Y'all ready for church? I'm feeling extra Pentecostal and spicy this morning, so put your uh, charismatic seatbelts on and uh, get ready to go. Um, but yeah, this morning, woo, man, this morning, who was here at Easter last week? Easter's, woo, Easter's was all time. We baptized some people. We had an incredible service. I mean, just from the top to the bottom. That was incredible. Uh, the Lord really showed up, showed off. I cried too much. I told you too much about myself. Like, oh, thanks. It's not, it's not supposed to be a laugh. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but man, the Lord really showed off and showed out on Sunday. And I just kind of hope, it is my prayer, my plea to heaven this morning that he would continue to do just that. Amen. Oh, man. So this morning, we're going to kick off a new series called The Wilderness. The Wilderness. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Who's ready for the ugly? We're going to get after all of it. Don't even worry about it. What if I just save the best for last and we just get ugly for like next eight weeks? That'd be just, oh, we just hit all of like the darkest points of every prophet's life in the Bible and we're just all sad. Give me the sads, Pastor Matt. But anyways... <laughs> we are kicking off a new series, The Wilderness, and, 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 I, and we're doing this because, man, the Lord, he really showed up all year so far. We are four months into this, about to be five months here in a week or so, and, man, he just kicked things off right with our first fruit season. Come on, somebody who loved uh, new wine, fresh oil, old fire. Come on, that was a great season in church. And then we went into the agreements, and the agreements, who felt like we broke some chains off? Come on, somebody. Who thinks that we made some agreements with heaven in that season? Amen. Come on, and then we hit Easter, and that was kind of the wrap-up of that whole season, and now we are going into the wilderness. And I know, I know, I think for a lot of us as Christians, we hear the word wilderness, and we just get a little like, <gasps> going to be honest, Pastor Matt, I just got out of a wilderness season, and uh, still too soon, it's too soon, still too fresh. Uh, we hear that because we've all been there, right? We've all been in a wilderness season before where, man, we felt abandoned, where we felt powerless, where we felt hungry, where we felt destitute, where we felt deluded, where we felt distraught, where we felt discouraged, where we felt like, Lord, where are you? Can we be honest in church this morning? We've all been in that season where we felt like, man, I am just out here in the wilderness but friends can I tell you this morning can I tell you this morning the wilderness is the Lord's forge 
The wilderness is the Lord's forge. The wilderness is the Lord's refinery. The wilderness is the place. Friends, we have to begin to ask the question because here we see we are hearing the word wilderness and some of us, we get stage fright, we get scared, we don't want to go back there, we don't want to go into that, that was too real, that was too much. But in all honesty, there are only two reasons that you and I end up in the wilderness. One, the Holy Spirit led you there. Or two, you followed your own temptation there. Either the Lord called you into the wilderness or you followed your own flesh into it. And we're gonna get into all of that because there is a lot, there's a lot of wilderness seasons in the life of a Christian where we find ourselves there because of our own decisions, because of our own actions, because of our own inactions, because of our own inability to make decisions that would benefit not just our natural body and our natural life, but our spiritual body and our spiritual life, that we choose to make decisions that often have a chain attached to them, but it's not in the bottom of a sinking ocean. It just leads us further into a desert. Friends, can I just say this too? Some of us, when we find ourselves in a wilderness season, we're just like, I don't know how I got here. Friends, you did not trip and fall into a cactus. If you did, we will pray for equilibrium after the service because you got some vertigo and that got to go. But the bottom line is either the Lord led you into the wilderness or you followed your own flesh into the wilderness. And friends, I've got to tell you, there are going to be some things over the next 10 years, the next 20 years in this state, in this city, in this nation, in our world, where suddenly you and I, we are going to find ourselves where in Michigan, it was the most common thing to be a Christian. It was the most common thing to hold our views. It was the most common thing to actually believe the word of God. And suddenly we will find ourselves in a terrain, off-road, where we did not see ourselves being, where suddenly we are viewed as exiles in our own land. Where we will be viewed as peculiar people amongst other priests and priestess. We will find ourselves even on the other side of other people who would claim the name Christ, but don't actually live out Christendom. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning, and I'm not saying that I've had some crazy vision for the next 10 years. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that new wine will not be poured until new wine skin is made ready. New wine will not be poured until new wine skin is made ready ready. I preach to anybody this morning. Jesus Christ, our bridegroom, is coming back for a bride, but that bride is not, quote unquote, perfect, but she is spotless. And friends, I will tell you this. It is the wilderness that readies the new wineskin. It is the wilderness that cleans up the bride. It is the wilderness. As long as you are being drawn into the wilderness by the Lord, with the Lord, for the Lord, and you remain steadfast in the Lord, you will be readied in the wilderness. See, I think a question we got to ask before we go any further in this message series is, why am I in the wilderness? 
every time you're in a wilderness season. Why am I in the wilderness? Why am I in the wilderness? Because friends, the why of the wilderness will determine your cry in the wilderness. The why, I will, you know me. I'm gonna repeat myself and quote myself. It's gonna get weird. Uh, The why in the wilderness will determine your cry in the wilderness. I have somebody in my life who's an apostle of our church, who's amazing, who, who is outside of our community, but holds me accountable, holds our church accountable. And we were having a conversation. He said, Matt, tuning into your service is like watching Green Berets train in the word of God. And I said, that is the best compliment I've ever gotten in my life. And you know what? That's exactly what the Lord's called us to do. That's exactly what the Lord's called us to do. How many Christian leaders have we seen recently who have exchanged the truth of the gospel for the cotton candy of our culture and we have seen them fall? We're not interested in raising up fallen people. We're, raise, we're interested in raising up the dead into life. Amen? We're interested in taking the dead to life and taking that life out into the wilderness and saying, Lord, refine me. Lord, break me. Lord, Build me. Lord, make me like you. So we want to call it a green beret. I'm here for it. Y'all ready for the word of God? Title of my message, if you're taking notes this morning, you might have already caught it. The cry in the wilderness. The cry in the wilderness. And before we go any further, Miss Kelsey, give it up for Kelsey and Mikey in the back, by the way. Come on, somebody. We've had, some, we've had some creeds in church that we wrote, we put together over some series. We've had some declarations that we proclaimed together as a church in a series. And on and around your seat, you might find a printed out version of this. But we're going to recite this prayer. Kelsey, if you want to put this up at the beginning of each message series in this. And I printed some off. I didn't print off enough. Uh, but I printed some off. And I want you to take it home if you have one. I want you to take it home. I want you to put it on your fridge, put it on your mirror, put it in your car, wherever. I want us to unite in this next season of church. I don't know how many weeks, I don't know how long it's going. I just know the Lord is calling this church into the wilderness. Amen. And so this is my heart. This is my prayer. This is what I believe the Lord is asking us to do in this season. And so we're going to unite around a prayer for this season. And we're going to believe for God to make great things out of us. Amen. All right. So here we go. You ready to read it with me? God. Make me a voice in this generation. God, make me a shepherd after your own heart. I want to know you for real. I want to burn with your holy fire. I want to feel what you feel. See how you see. And move like you move. I open my heart to you. Release upon me the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of your son. Set my heart on fire. Make my life. A life of prayer. And all God's people said. Amen. Come on, you ready to go? Let's get it. All right, open up your Bibles. 
series is The Wilderness. We've got a message title. It's called The Cry of the Wilderness. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and ask them, why do you look like you're about to cry? Tell your second choice neighbor, you look like you've already done a lot of crying. No, okay. All right, all right. Don't hurt no one's feelings. Someone's in here like, I did my makeup and everything. And, oh. All right, Luke 4, 1 through 15. Y'all ready for the word of God? Yeah. All right, I'm coming out of the ESV. It'll be up on the Sky Bible, though, behind me. But if you got a Bible, you should bust that out. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. Look, I'm with a Christian, and uh, we'll be all right. Come on. Come on. That was a good one. At least I'm making new jokes up, okay? They might get worse, but at least they're new. <laughs> there we go. I have one fan in the house. It's okay. Not making fans, making followers. You know what I'm saying? Okay, anyways. Uh, Luke 4, 1 through 15. Say, I'm ready. Cool. And Jesus. Mm, mm. And Jesus. Man, I, honest to God, you could just sit on those two words forever. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days. He was being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, and when they ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And in a moment of time, he said to him, to you, I will give all of this all of this authority, all of their glory, for it has been delivered to me. I give it to whom it, whom, where'd it go? It disappeared. One second, it's come back up. There we go. I give it to whom I will. There we are. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Isn't that a word for our generation? And he took to him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, why don't you just throw yourself down from here? For it is written, as you like to say, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And oh, their hands, they will bear you up and let, your, let you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, <laughs> You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Also, a word for our generation. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until the opportune time. And Jesus returned whoo, in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. The cry of the wilderness. Let's pray. We're going to ask the Lord to come move. Sound good? Father God. Father God, right now, we just acknowledge your presence is in this room. We acknowledge right now, Father God, that your word says we're two or more gathered. There you are in the midst of us. Father God, right now, <sighs> Father, we just ask that you would give us a heaven's view of our lives, that you would give us a heaven's view of our situations, that you would give us a heaven's view of our marriages, of our singleness, of our purity, God, of our struggles, Lord, of our sanctification process. God, we ask today to see from heaven, to see from your throne. Show us what you see, God. Show us what you see, God. Not just the things that need to be broke away, not just the things that need to be whittled down, not just the things that need to be cast off, but God, begin to show us the diamond in the rough that you see. 
God, begin to see in us, Lord, the untempered steel that you want to turn into strong towers. Father God, this morning, oh, come on, somebody. Father God, this morning, we ask, Lord, that you would turn us into sons and daughters that are so fortified, so galvanized, so steel and hardened, God, by the truth of the word of God, that we would stand firm in all seasons, including the wilderness. And so, Father God, we ask right now that you would just begin to move. Every other spirit in this room, spirit of distraction, go to hell. Spirit of suicide, go to hell. Every other spirit in this room, any devil trying to hide under a pew or a chair, go to hell from which you came. And right now, Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit would just invade those spaces that previously belonged to the kingdom of darkness. Right now, Father God, just usher in your presence all the more. And we will keep our house clean. We will keep our hearts clean. We will keep our minds clean. And we are ready to fix our eyes on you and receive from you again. Make us those Holy Spirit berets. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. The cry of the wilderness. The cry of the wilderness. Oh, man. This is going to be fun. Friends. There's a reason I keep bringing up this language of fortifying, of, of being in a forge, of being, of being fire tested, of being quenched. And it's not just because I've been obsessed with forge and fire uh, on Defy TV for a few months now. It is because, friends, I am looking and I am seeing how the winds of culture are changing. And I am seeing the Lord begin to call his people back to the place of wilderness. He is looking to come back for a matured white skin, a mature bride. A woman that is is spotless, that is blameless, that is ready to receive him. Come on, somebody. I am seeing it on the winds right now. That while the winds of culture may be shifting and changing, may be the most unsettled thing in our world. We have a solid rock. We have a firm foundation. We have Christ alone, the chief cornerstone. That all of this is built upon, predicated upon, preconceived upon. This is the mission of his bride, the church, to be made in his image and likeness. But friends, so many of us, so many of us will hear the sound of the wilderness and we see we're going to enter this season and so often we run from it we hide from it we get fearful of it we are discouraged by it and friends i'm telling you some of us the reason we break when we are called upon the reason we shatter when we are given platform the reason we shrink back from relationships and promotion and all of the things that god has for you in this life the reason so many christians are running scared in the world today is because we quit on the wilderness before we were finished we quit on the wilderness before we were finished You see, the wilderness is what makes Jeremiah's. The wilderness is what makes Ezekiel's. The wilderness is what makes Elijah's and Elisha's. The wilderness is what makes John the Baptist. The wilderness, including but not limited to, is what makes Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. But so often as Christians in our immaturity, 
You see, we love to quote this, right? We love to quote uh, what is the Proverbs, that iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We love that verse, don't we? We love it, yet we hate accountability. We hate accountability because for iron to sharpen iron, iron first has to be fired, quenched, and tested. And so the reason we hate accountability is because the second somebody chooses to clash with us, a.k.a. hold us to a standard of Christian living and Christian believing, we break and we shatter and we roll and we run. You see, friends, the reason steel is forged, it is fired and it is quenched, is so that it does not shatter when it is called upon for its task and assignment. So is it with men and women of God. So is it with men and women of God. But you see, you and me, we, 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 love, we love the Lord so much. We love God so much. We love church so much. We love worship so much. Friends, here is the biggest fear of my life. The biggest fear of my life, can I be honest? It's not that I will one day get canceled for what I preach up here. Surely I will because the Lord hates Jesus. Or, sorry, the world hates Jesus. The Lord does not hate Jesus. The Lord is Jesus. Far out. Because the world hates Jesus, right? The world hates Jesus. It was one letter off, okay? Pray for me. I was up at two. God. You know what? Worship team, let's come back up. Glory of the Lord left the house. Let's get it back. The greatest fear of my life is not that I will be canceled for the words that I say up here for what comes from this platform, what happens in this room, surely that will happen because the world <laughs> hates the Lord, okay? My greatest fear is that we can have the greatest worship songs, the greatest worship sets. We can have the greatest worship music happening in the world and yet nothing of eternity is actually imparted upon us. Nothing from eternity is actually imparted into us. Nothing of actual eternal value and significance strengthening the bride for the coming season of the world, for the coming return of our King. My greatest fear is that the words that are preached up here would not be spirit and truth, but that that spirit and truth would fall upon thorns and thistles and bad soils in the heart of men and women and get choked out, friends. That's the greatest fear of my life, is that we would gather and we would mistake a pep rally for having church. I love pep. I was once in a panther suit at Hesperia High School, okay? I wasn't very good at it. But I don't know why that actually happened. I think it might have been a dare and there was a girl involved, but as you do. As all stupid things in Matt's life involve, a dare and a girl. But friends, friends. Can I just tell you that we have access to the greatest worship music in the world? We do. We have access to the greatest worship music in the world. It is so theologically sound. It has the greatest words. It is so moving. The atmosphere is changing now. And I love it, right? Amy's totally judging my singing. She is doing a Simon Cowell impression. Randy Jackson's a no from me dog. I'm getting in the back. But the atmosphere is changing, right? We sing it all the time. The atmosphere is changing now. But are we? But are we? I mean, we have access, friends, 
to the greatest programs in the world. I mean, we can look at some of the greatest churches to have ever done it. And I love the bride, and you will not hear a negative thing come out of my mouth as it pertains to this. But sometimes it is amazing what we can accomplish without the Holy Spirit. Friends, we have access to the greatest preaching in the world. Humble brag. Kidding. But we do. You, we, because of the internet, because of voice to text, we can just say, hey, sorry. How many phones went off? <laughs> and all of a sudden it's, hey, pull up so-and-so. Pull up so-and-so's church. Pull up this on podcast. Pull up Matt McClure. He's the greatest. Like, we can, we have access to the greatest preaching in the world. But what's apparent to me is we can have the greatest worship music, we can have the greatest songs, we can have the greatest prayer set, we can have the greatest church, quote-unquote, service of all time. We can mistake a pep rally for having church. We can mistake great bumper sticker Christianity for actually equipping with swords and shields. And what happens here will remain here. And as much as the atmosphere may be changing, the people could remain dead. I want to be people in the order of Pauline theology, the Apostle Paul, and I want to proclaim to a church, awake, O sleeper. That's who I want to be. That's who I want you to be. That's the dream. And yeah, you know what? Maybe we won't grow as fast. And you know what? Maybe we won't grow at all. And you know what? Maybe this is all that Lord has for us, but you know what we will be? We will be standing. We will remain we will be, when, the, when Jesus comes back for his bride, we will be the church proclaiming in the wilderness like John the Baptist. We exist to see Jesus take over people's lives. We are going into the wilderness. And friends, the reason so many Christians are so fearful of this right now of being brought into the wilderness, of going into the deep waters with the Lord, of going in where you know what, you know what, it might be dry. It might be scary. It might get real cold at night. It might get real hot during the day. The reason we fear this is because we have yet to receive the revelation that a faith that can be tested is a faith that can be trusted. No, no, we don't like that. We don't like that at all. A faith that can be tested is a faith that can be trusted. I mean, that's a saying that's as old as the church itself, and yet so many of us, we have left it behind. We have dropped it by the wayside for cool Christianity, for cool church Christianity. I love LED screens, but I was talking to somebody before, before service. Guess what? LED screens aren't the Lord's anointed. LED screens, they look sick. But I can see those at a Nickelback concert, and Lord knows I don't want to go there. Notice there was one guy in the church that just said Nickelback rocks. <laughs> one man. One. Friends, a faith that can be tested is a faith that can be trusted. But you know why we hate that? We hate that because that throws a stone through the stained glass window image of Jesus Christ that we have all built up in our lives. 
that we have all built up in our minds, that we have all built up in our hearts. We have lived in a world, some of us, most of us in this, in this room, we have only been around since the 60s, okay, since the 90s, since the 80s, somewhere in there. I'm hitting all the age groups this morning. We have lived and we have existed in a time where we have been preached both, both the church and by secular people, a.k.a. people who don't know Jesus, who are pagan in their lifestyles, who are hedonistic in their belief systems, and who chase their flesh and their flesh alone. And we have heard it from the pulpit and from the streets that God is love. Oh, Matt, where are we going today? Where are we going today, Matt? I'm getting nervous. No, no, no. Friends, can I just say that if the world and the church are both uniting around the same phrase, potentially there is some error there? But Matt, God says in his word, he is love. He's love. He's love. He's love. He's love. God also says in his word that he's just, that he's wrath, that he's merciful, that he's graceful, that he's patient, that he's kind. You see, friends, when the world begins to proclaim that God is love, that's not what they're saying. When the world begins to proclaim that God is love, what they are proclaiming is that love is God. When the world says, God is love, should you just love people? Absolutely. But what I know from God's created definition and order and magnitude of love, that which clearly you don't understand, is very different from when you say God is love and when I say God of the Bible, of the created known universe, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God, that God is most certainly love and so much more. But the world's like, no, 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 God is love. And what they really mean, translation, is love is God. And suddenly you have a time and a place and you live in a secular society right now where we worship love above all else. We find ourselves worshiping the created over the creator. We find ourselves worshiping a feeling over truth. And so we grow up in a time and a place where it's being both preached from the pulpit and from the world, and we feel like they're the same thing. No, no, no. Up here when we're saying God is love, that's not what we mean. We mean God is love, and he's the kind of love that he defines, that he made, that he created. He spoke love into existence. He created in love. He wanted to be loved. He wants to love. That's what love is for God. It's also holy. It's also pure. It's also undefiled. It's also set apart. It's also just and kindness and merciful. And You know what I mean? And so when we preach God is love from up here, and you hear it out there, if you have not been tested in the wilderness, come on somebody, if you've not tested your discernment in the wilderness, you will get out of the wilderness and into the world, and you will feel like everyone is preaching the same thing. And then suddenly you begin to develop a theology. Theology really just means thoughts on God. That's basic, basic word, theology. Thoughts on God, system of beliefs on God, theology. Suddenly, we create this theology within ourselves that God in no way, shape, or form in his infinite wisdom and goodness and love could he ever do anything that I would ever perceive that could harm me. But a loving father both corrects and coddles. A loving father both disciplines and disciples. Am I... 
a loving father both sets apart and sets up. A loving father both renews, uh, removes and renews. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? He gives both grace and mercy. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? He gives testing and also trust. Amen. This is a good father. And so what happens is this throws this idea that a faith that can be tested is only a faith that can be trusted. Suddenly we get the stone thrown into our glass-stained, beautiful image of Jesus. And friends, can I tell you that glass-stained, beautiful image of Jesus that the world has built up and has infiltrated the church needs to be shattered. The stone that needs to be thrown through it is Christ the cornerstone. Christ the cornerstone should shatter the image. He should exceed the image. He should blow up the image that the world has created of him. And he should reestablish his lordship and his greatness and his mightiness. And so friends, I want to tell you, the wilderness is where the Lord does his testing. You see, an immature Christian will run from the wilderness. An immature Christian will run from the testing. The immature Christian will just think it's enough just to show up each Sunday, hear a word, leave completely powerless in our lives. That's an immature Christian. But a mature Christian, a mature Christian recognizes that testing leads to prospering. That testing leads to power. That testing leads to being able to stand when all others falter. That testing leads to being able to stand when everything else has gone dim, you will shine bright. Testing in the wilderness will strengthen you, will fortify you, and will release you into your God-given calling. Friends, can I just submit to you today? God only tests those he loves. God only tests those he loves. Can I assert this to you today as well? Right off the backside of that. God only tests those he plans on trusting. God only tests those he plans on trusting. God is only going to lead you into the wilderness, not for the hell of it, but for the heaven of it. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? He's not out here playing games with your lives. He is out here destroying the strongholds and works of the devil. Amen. He is not playing games with you. He is not teasing you. He is testing you and he is leading you. So you need to start asking about the why in your wilderness. Because the why in the wilderness will determine the cry in the wilderness. Am I here? Did I get led here by the devil because he wants to tempt me? Or was I led here by God because he wants to test me? Was I led here by the devil because he hates me? Or was I led here by God because he loves me? Oh, come on, are we going in the deep waters today or are we going in deep waters today? This is mature Christianity. Friends, we have got to grow. We are a people committed to growth. We are a people who have decided, you know what, we're not going to flinch when the world decides to pivot. We are going to remain. And your steadfastness will be grown and will be whittled down and will be perfected and God can chisel out of marble. He can chisel out his image. You see, so many Christians, we will reject 
the testing, but in rejection of the testing, what we are really rejecting is the breaking down of our old selves and ultimately the building up of our new selves. In interest of self-preservation, we will relinquish what the Lord is trying to do in our lives because we see it and we perceive it as hurting us. Friends, can I just tell you this this morning? You don't want a Lord that affirms everything about you. You don't want a God who affirms everything about you. You want a God who affirms everything about himself. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. You do not, believe me, you, me, you do not want a God who affirms everything about you, what you desire, what you crave, what you were created from, is a God who affirms everything about himself. And by his grace and by his love and by his mercy, he invites you out into the wilderness to be made like him. Don't reject the breaking because you will forfeit the building. Don't reject the whittling because you will reject, you will sacrifice, and you will hand over your identity. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. A mature Christian will understand this. That if God called Christ to it, he will also call you to it. If God called Christ to it, he will also call you to it. None of us get out of this life with Jesus without going through the wilderness. None of us. And I mean that. You will not get through this life with, with, alongside having Jesus, remaining steadfast, remaining a Christian, remaining in relationship with God. None of us will get through this without a season of wilderness. But will you quit or will you pass? That is the question. If we're called to rule with Christ, we're called to die with Christ, right? If we're called to not be of, to be in the world as Christ was in the world, but not be of the world like Christ was not of the world, then friends, we are also called into the wilderness as Christ was called into the wilderness. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Come on, if we are called to live as Christ has lived, then we are called to die as Christ died. If we are called to be peculiar people as Christ was a peculiar person, we are then called into the wilderness to be made into peculiar people. This is mature Christianity. Friends, Jesus Christ himself, in the beginning of the scripture, it says this, I love it. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. You see, here's where the church gets it wrong sometimes. All of a sudden, the next, after the period, this is not a continuing sentence, after the period, all of a sudden it says, and the devil met him there to tempt him. Now, where we get this twisted is we think, no, Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. No, 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 no. <laughs> Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit for the testing of God. You see, Jesus is the doorway by which you and I come back to having a relationship with God. Amen. So how many of you know if you and I are going to be tested, how many of you know he had to first test Jesus? Jesus is the bridge. Jesus is the doorway. Jesus is the only way to the Father. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if the way, the truth, and the life could not hold up to the Lord's testing and the Lord's pleasure and the Lord's performance, neither can we. So he first tests Jesus. But just like 
every other time. Look at it in scripture, and we're going to dig into it in this series. I'm very excited about it. Just like in the rest of scripture, anytime the Lord tests somebody, there is an enemy who is always ready, lying, waiting, baiting, and tempting. I think a really healthy way to look at this, friends, is that if it's tempting to sin, it's from the enemy. But if it's leading you to give glory to God, it's testing by God. You see, here's what happens. We hear temptation, and automatically we think temptation is sin. Friends, temptation is not sin. Temptation, in and of itself, is not sin. Let me free some of us this morning. Temptation, in and of itself, is not sin. Temptation is a struggle, and struggling with sin is a sign of sanctification because once you were dead in your sin and you didn't even know you had something to fight, but now you are alive in Christ and you are fighting tooth and nail to be holy, right? So temptation, friends, let me take something off because so often we will give in to temptation time and time again. We will succumb to temptation time and time again because we feel like if I'm being tempted, the outcome is already a foregone conclusion. We feel like it's already written. Oh man, the second the porn bug comes creeping up, it's like, you know? Oh, the second the dating app, you know, someone sends an image and then it's like, I'm driving over. The second temptation, the second all of a sudden it's like, man, I could really just skim some off the top at work. I, no one's going to know. The thought pops in her head. You're alone in your cubicle, however it works. And that thought creeps and the temptation comes. And it's just like, on to the races. No, no, no. Temptation is not an obligation to sin. Friends, you no longer have to answer to your old nature. You no longer are obligated to answer your old nature. If you are alive in Christ, you are a new creation. Your old self has no authority over your new self. Friends, temptation isn't a foregone conclusion without any choice. Temptation is an opportunity. Temptation is an opportunity, whether I'm going to succumb to my sins, succumb to my temptations, succumb to the enemy, succumb to the world, succumb to culture, succumb to my own flesh, whatever it may be, however temptation is finding you, whatever happens, okay? There's an unholy trinity in this world. It is the devil and his power of darkness. It is the world and it is our flesh. And one of those three ways is going to fight like all of hell to get you to disobey the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen? And in that, you and I, we have an opportunity, not an obligation to sin. So the opportunity is this. I can give way to my sin and my desires and my lust and my, all my passions and all that stuff. I can give way to this. Or, 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 somebody say or, Somebody say or. or. Somebody give out a roar of or. or. That's what I'm talking about. Or I can glorify God. 
here's the deal. I feel like aura is going to be a prophetic two words for our lives in this season. As we go into wilderness, as we go into development, as we go into the dark room with the Lord. You see, here's the deal, friends. Or is going to be that time when the Tinder goes off on your phone and you want to swipe right and you want to open the DMs and then you just go, Or is going to be that word that while you're driving on that way to that girl's house, or that guy's house, or that party that you shouldn't be going to because you know once you're there, you're a loose cannon. Once you're there, you're no longer in control. Once you're there, you are in an atmosphere and in a presence that you have no control over. Once you are there and on your way there, you just start driving. You put on worship music, and instead of, turn, instead of continuing to drive, you pull over on the side of the road. You don't even turn around, and you get out of your car, and like John the Baptist in the wild, preparing the way for the Lord, you just scream out on the side of the road, or, or glory, or holiness, or truth. Friends, here's the deal. We avoid the testing because so many of us, we want a point A to point B. We want the quickest point between two destinations is a straight line. And while our God is incredibly black and white in his word and what he wants for your life, he often does not draw in straight lines. He often calls you around, calls you the long way, calls you into the wilderness so that when you arrive, you won't be a microwavable meal for the world, but you will be crockpot Christianity. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? No, I'm dead set. McDonald's is awesome when you're hungover from the world's activities. But man, when you're drunk in the spirit, when you're hungry for the word, with being in church and being in a community and being in Christian relationships, with being in the Word, would have a personal prayer time with the Lord like Jesus up before the Son was the Son. When you have that in your life, man, and you just know, I'm not here for a microwavable TV dinner. I am here for the Lord's feast. I have been invited to the Lord's Supper. He has prepared a table for me. And when you get there at the Lord's feast, suddenly you realize it was worth the long way through the wilderness. You see, in this next moment in Scripture, Jesus, he's being tempted by the devil, but it says that he's been fasting. Real quick, briefly, fasting is a major key for determining the why in the wilderness. Fasting, fasting will strip back all of the natural, all of the hunger pains, and suddenly it's not your stomach that's groaning, it's the Holy Spirit that's groaning, it's the Word of God on the inside of you that's groaning, and He is calling you deeper into fasting and deeper into truth and deeper into the wilderness. If you want to know why you are going through what seems like drought in a dry season, in a season of testing, start fasting. On the same token, fasting, fasting is the best way you will combat the devil. Here's the deal. The devil will always come at you with common sense. But the Lord doesn't move in common sense. He moves in the authority of his word. <laughs> the devil will always come at us with common sense. But God don't move in common sense. He moves in the authority of his word. Let me free some of us today. Seriously. I want to rescue us from leaving the wilderness too soon. There's a test that needs to be passed. And I promise you there's glory on the other side of it. There's a test that needs to be passed, and there's glory on the other side of it. But we forfeit that life, and we forfeit that calling, and we forfeit that freedom if we don't remain in the testing. So the devil, he comes to Jesus, 
And he's like, hey, hey, son of man, son of God, land that was slain before the foundations of the earth. What's up, my guy? You look hangry. And he goes to Jesus and he says this. He says this. See, the devil, the devil looks for weakness in the church. And no more times in your life will you be weak than when you are being tested by the Lord. But that's why we rely on his strength and not our own, amen. That's why his strength is made perfect in our weakness, amen. And this is why. Because the devil comes and he comes with common sense. And he's like, listen, you're the son of God, right? Oh, come on, you know, you know you could just tell these stones, you could command them to be bread. Why don't you feed yourself, bro? If you are really who you say you are, he says, he always comes with common sense and then he always comes with accusations. Common sense followed by accusations. Mature Christianity, spot the roadmap. This is your key through the wilderness, friends. He always comes with common sense and then he comes with accusations because here's the deal. Why, you're hungry. You're hungry. The Lord doesn't want you to be hungry. I thought he was going to supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Bless you, Grant. Like, I thought he was going to come. I thought he was going to bring you a Kleenex when you needed a Kleenex. Like, I thought he wanted you to be good. And that's how the devil works, right? He comes in and he just begins to affirm your common sense. And suddenly the devil comes in and, and he's like, oh, man, well, you know what? God doesn't want you to be pent up sexually. God doesn't want you to be frustrated in your identity. Oh, no, 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 I know you're a boy, but he doesn't want you just to feel like a girl. We're going there, fam, because this is the devil, and it's what he does. God doesn't want you to be pent up frustrated and sexually unsatisfied. He doesn't want you to be celibate and unhappy. But see, Jesus here with the bread because he's hungry, like so many of us are thirsty. Jesus, he answers him back with scripture. He says, no, 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 devil, you don't understand. It is written. It is written. It's not how I feel. It's not how I perceive myself. It's not the desires that are rising up within me. It's not this overwhelming culture that's speaking and preaching to me. It's not what my mind is telling me. It's not what my body is telling me. No, 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 right now, my body may be telling me I'm hungry, but the spirit of the Lord within me is reminding me that it is written and man don't live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God. So in a world that's telling you, oh, he don't want you pent up. He doesn't want you pent up and celibate and unsatisfied and unhappy. No, you're right, devil. You're right. He doesn't want me pent up, frustrated, and celibate and unhappy. He wants me pent up, frustrated, celibate, and holy. Because he says, he doesn't say, oh, be happy because I am happy. No, the Lord says, be holy as I am holy. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? 
So he'll come with common sense, and then he'll come with accusations. That is what he does. And then know what he does next? This is his chief move right here. This is some checkers right here, okay? He is setting you up. Does what he does on Jesus. He makes the next move. He goes, all right, okay, okay, you're not hungry. Okay, you, you want, you know, living on the word of God. Okay, okay. Well, come here, come here. Let me see this. Check this out. Come check this out real quick. Come check this out. And suddenly, just like in our influence culture in the world that we live in today, uh, where platforms and identities and all these things are what gives us a voice in the world, and Jesus, he's brought to the top of this temple, and the devil goes, I will give you all of, all of, all of this. Look at this kingdom. Look at its glory. All of this. I am the king of the airwaves. I am the king of the atmosphere. This world has fallen. All of it is mine, Jesus. And I will give you this kingdom right here. This kingdom, Jesus. Look right here. This kingdom. I will give this to you. But all you have to do is turn from your God and worship me. And so suddenly... We're reminded of what Paul says. Paul's like, no, no, no. If you're, if you're dead to sin and alive in Christ, you're already seated in heavenly places. You're seated right next to Jesus. And suddenly we're having the same temptation in this life. And it's going like this. Do you want to rule a kingdom now or do you want to rule the entire world later? Don't you want this immediate gratification? Don't you want this immediate influence? Why don't you just stop preaching the gospel so hard? Church, Matt, don't, want, don't you want takeover to grow beyond 100 people? Stop preaching the gospel. Stop preaching purity. Stop preaching the chains off people. Stop preaching the truth. Don't you want it to grow? Don't you want to entice people? Don't you want LED screens and fun things? I'll give it to you. Just bow a knee, quit worshiping God, and worship me. I'll give you all of this. And in this moment, Jesus is faced with the same decision that so many Christians and so many people today are faced with. Do you want to rule in hell or serve in heaven? Because the world says it. The world says it all the time. It's better to rule in hell than serve in heaven. Not from my vantage point. So Jesus says this. He goes, devil, you sneaky bandit. Man, yeah, this kingdom's cool. This kingdom's awesome. This kingdom looks like Disneyland. And it's probably going to hell just like Disneyland. It looks awesome. This looks like so much fun. But man, it is written. Not how I feel, not what's impressive, not what's cool, not what's immediate, not what I can get right now and go. No, 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 this, this, this is nice, but this isn't glory. It is written, you shall serve no other God than the God of Israel. Amen. You shall worship no other God than the God of Israel. You shall worship and you shall serve none other than God the Father. And this is the conversation and this is what happens when suddenly you are being tested by God, strengthened by God, fortified by God, whittled away by God. The enemy will come because he thinks you're weak. And so many Christians will run because they think they're weak. Friends, can I tell you the devil is not as powerful as you? The devil's not as powerful as you. He's not. Oh, man, it seems like you're making a big deal out of people. Well, I am because Jesus did. I'm making a big deal out of you. You want to know why? Because the devil, last I checked, wasn't made in the image of likeness of God. But you are. The devil, last time I checked, wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit of God. But you are. 
You were made in the image and likeness of God and are filled with the Holy Spirit. The devil is only as powerful as you are prideful. Explain that to me, Matt. Well, pride, pride is what happens when you are in the middle of testing and you answer temptation with human reasoning instead of the word of God. Because you think you know better. That's pride. Pride is when you think you know better than God. Pride is when you think you know how better to live your life, how better to, forth, uh, to fight the devil, how better to survive the wilderness than God did. That's pride. The enemy has as much power in your life as you are prideful to think he does. Oh, I'm just less than, and the devil's really been on my back, and I'm getting so much this. And it's like, friends, listen. Listen. We have gotten this program called church down to a science and it is an awesome science but if we've learned anything the last two years science don't mean jack <laughs> preach come on help a brother out we're getting ready to close worship team you can make your way up here legit we're getting ready to close you're good <laughs> promise i promise but here's the deal friends friends the greatest detriment to the kingdom of God being established in the earth in 2022 are prophets who are in the wilderness being tested but answer temptation with human reasoning. God cannot advance his kingdom off the backs of prophets who think they know better than he does. I'm not preaching to anybody. We are all called to be voices in the wilderness preparing the way for the Lord, friends. And whether that's in five years, five months, 50 years, 500 years, it doesn't matter. He's coming back one day, and it's you and I that he is looking for to see that we have been forged in the fire of wilderness. Friends, can I just tell you, can I just tell you, what the world doesn't need is more Christians who have houses that are decorated everywhere with Bible verses, but have no Bible on the inside of them. Can I tell you this morning that what your marriage needs doesn't need you to have more Bible verses being sent to you between text messages and put up in your homes. No, what you need is a word from God that has been scorched on the inside of you for your spouse. But the Lord has joined together. Let no man separate. Not you, not her, not nobody. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Friends, what your business needs, as great as it is, and we got a few business leaders in this room that have this, and I'm not taking shots at you. I love you. What I'm telling you is this. What your business as a Christian needs less of is not, you don't need more Bible verses put up everywhere in the foyer for everybody to know that you are a Christian-owned business. Know what the world needs to see, what the earth needs to have, what the kingdom of God is looking to establish are business leaders. People in the marketplace, people who are deciding financial and fiscal responsibility of this country. We need Bible tattooed on your heart so much that out of the heart the mouth shall flow. We don't want to see it in your foyer. We want to hear it in your voice. We want to see it in the contracts. We want to see it in the dealings. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Friends, would you guys stand to your feet? As we get better to worship, friends, 
what we don't need. We have an amazing group here at church called Porn Free. It's awesome. I love it. Young men, different walks of life, fighting the same fight for purity and holiness. It's amazing. I love it. But what we don't need, what you don't need, as awesome as it is, and I affirm it, I think it's great, keep doing it, but what you don't need more of is more people standing alongside you, praying over you when you are being tempted. You've already got that. What you need more of is a revelation of understanding. The devil is looking for weakness. He sees you as weak right now. And what are you going to answer him with? Are you going to answer him with your feelings and more pornography and more impurity and more blemishes? Or, somebody say or. Somebody roar or. are you going to choose today whom you will serve? Or are you going to serve sin? Or are you going to serve God? Are you going to glorify self? Or are you going to glorify God? Are you going to answer the devil his due? Or are you going to respond with it is written and it is said and you should know, and God has spoken, and this is what the word of the living God has said. He does not shrink back. He does not cower. He does not turn away, but he runs at you head on with truth and with authority, and you bow. Because how this piece of scripture ends in this moment of Jesus' testing in the wilderness is he passed the test. It says he passed the test and he was filled with power of the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit, and then he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, a faith that can be tested is a faith that can be trusted. If you will trust God in his word, he will trust you with his world. If you will trust God in his word, he will trust you with his calling. If you will trust God in the wilderness, he will trust you in promotion with elevation, with influence. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Friends, if you pass the test, if you will remain, if you will be faithful. You see, the devil, he was trying to get Jesus to eat the bread. Common sense would say, keep yourself alive in the wilderness. God isn't concerned with you keeping yourself alive in the wilderness. He's concerned with you keeping yourself faithful in the wilderness. Did you hear me? He's not concerned with you keeping yourself alive. He's concerned with you keeping yourself faithful. He will keep you alive. You worry about remaining faithful. Because when you do, you enter out of that wilderness. You enter out of that season of testing. You beat the devil black. You beat that devil blue. You beat that devil so bad that he has to run for a further time, just like Jesus said. He left him until a long, further, overdue time. That's you and me. And suddenly, not only will you be trusted because you passed the test, but you will be given the power of the test giver. I believe that every single Christian is built for the league of the wilderness. 
opportunity will come time and time again for you to drop out of the league of the wilderness. And that's why you leave disenfranchised, discouraged, deconstructing, and feeling absolutely abandoned and powerless by the church. Because you chose not to remain in your time of testing. So let's be, let's be a people who are faithful. Let's be a people not concerned with keeping ourselves alive, but keeping ourselves faithful. Let's be a people who aren't concerned with keeping up with the rest of the world. Instead, we're concerned with keeping up with God. Instead, we're concerned with keeping up with purity. Instead, we're concerned with keeping up with freedom. So we're going to pray right now. We're going we're gonna to sing a song called Rest on Us. Is that right? Sid, are you leading this one? Yo, Sid is going to take us to that next level, and we're going to sing the song, Rest on Us, and it starts with an invite, the same invite that the Lord gave Jesus, that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit is going to lead us now, and we're going to say, Holy Spirit, come, rest on us. Amen? And as we do, we're going to enter this season of the wilderness together. We're going to be faithful, we're going to remain, and we are going to be filled at the end of it. Amen? So let's begin to welcome the Lord. Come on, sing it, Sid. Take us there.